to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Here's your host, Ben Wilson. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, and my sidekick, Rodney, is here as usual. And today, I'm back with my buddy, Scott Tudor, as we talk wrestling again and follow up to our last episode, which was highly regarded by our fans. Let me tell you, we had a huge audience of listeners, and I was really happy with that, and Scott was too. But in our last episode, we really didn't get to talk much about one of the new hot brands of wrestling, AEW, which stands for All Elite Wrestling. Um, It started by Cody Rhodes, son of legendary wrestler Dusty Rhodes, the Young Bucks, um, who are a great tag team of Matt and Nick Jackson, and uh, Kenny Omega, who's been this popular wrestling star for several years, but may not be known to a lot of mainstream wrestlers because he hasn't been a part of um, WWE, and he wasn't a part of NW, um, or NWA, WCW back in the 90s. So um, they're based out of Jacksonville. They're funded by the Kahn family who own the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they're now on TNT on Wednesday nights for um, an episode or a series called AEW Dynamite. So, Scott, welcome to the show, and tell me what you think about this new brand of AEW. Good afternoon, Ben. Thanks again for having me. I really enjoyed the last episode. Uh, so AEW, I think it's uh, honestly a good thing. I think they are fresh. They are on fire right now. There's a lot of energy, and they bring a lot of different uh, talent and items to the table that WWE has not been giving us the last few years. Yeah, I think um, I, I was glad they came on because at the end of the day, they allow more talent to get exposure that they need. I mean, WWE has so much talent right now that even with all their shows, they, they just can't get everybody the exposure that they really need. And um, so and also they need competition because uh, whenever you have competition, it always encourages you to, to do better. Um, so... One of the big things with AEW is um, they signed Chris Jericho, who is one of their big names, and also Dean Ambrose, who's now known as John Moxley. What do you think about those signings for AEW? I think that's huge. Uh, really, I've been a huge Jericho fan since probably 96. I think that was about the time he stepped on the scene with uh, WCW. And uh, he come in as a young upstart. Uh, nobody really knew a lot about him at the time, and uh, he had a lot of talent to give. He was a high flyer. He was one of those guys, I think we mentioned uh, in the last episode, that he could do the cruiserweight division or he could be in the heavyweight division. Uh, that's a, a rare talent within itself. He was great on the mic from from early on, and he just brought a lot of entertainment value. I think some of my favorite uh, Jericho moments were actually in WCW after I discovered him over there I did some research and found out that he had done some time in in ECW so I went back and watched some videos of that and uh, hey he was exciting uh, from day one and I think that he honed his craft in uh, Mexico I think that he started at a very young age down in Mexico and uh, learned a lot from the luchadors down there and really kind of got his style going and of course his style now is a little bit different because I think he's uh, roughly 49 years old, close to 50, if, if not 50. Uh, so he has to tone it down a little bit. But, hey, the guy still moves pretty good for a 50-year-old. Yeah, no, he – and the thing about with Jericho, um, I mean, he's been around for so long that uh, he's 
he's such a good influence for their younger wrestlers because he's great on the mic. Um, he knows how to sell. He knows how to put people over if need be. I mean, I thought his work in WWE when he came back with um, Kevin Owens and was doing the list, I thought was fantastic. But uh, agreed. So, and I, and I love the scarf. But um, and also, I think I think with Moxley going over there, I, Dean Ambrose since they broke up the Shield, um, like you mentioned on the last episode. You know, he was hot for a while, but he was just really in a rut. And based on the interviews I saw, he was really frustrated creatively with WWE. And so I think this is a fresh start, and uh, which kind of takes us into our pay-per-view of um, that AEW just had called Full Gear because Chris Jericho was the first champion of AEW. And as he likes to put it, the youngest champion of AEW ever at 49 years old. <laughs> but, um, you know, he... Um, he was in uh, defend his title and that, and of course um, there was a great match with uh, John Moxley and Kenny Omega that we'll get to in a little bit because that was a finale. But this mat, uh, this pay per view started with one of the the tag team rivalries that I think is a really hot rivalry right now, and that's uh, the Young Bucks with Matt and Nick Jackson versus um, Santana and Ortiz. They're called uh, uh, Proud and Powerful, and let me tell you. That match was fantastic. I mean, it was high energy, a lot of aerial stuff, just great, great stuff. I mean, what what do you think of that match? So I think that uh, the Young Bucks, for sure, have, they've been bringing it for a while. I used to follow uh, Ring of Honor quite a bit. I've kind of gotten out of it a little bit lately. But the Young Bucks were over there, uh, and they, they just, right as soon as I saw that tag team in action, man, they really... Just blew me away, and I—I I, I hate to say it. And I, I know there's a lot of Hardy fans, Hardy Boy fans out there, but I feel like that those those guys are the new Hardy Boys, and if not even a little bit better, because they they bring a specific style of match, and it's just high energy. They both can go. Uh, I love them in Ring of Honor. I think that the uh, the other team they remind me a lot of the old LAX out of uh, TNA. And you know that they, uh, uh, Matt and Nick also did some time in TNA where they were over there as a tag team. And I just I can't say enough about those guys. They're high energy. I think the tag team division in AEW is looking good, uh, primarily because of those, you know, especially because of those two teams. And I think that rivalry is, is excellent. I, I hope they keep bringing it. I hope that they do a rivalry kind of like what we were used to back in the day where they you know, let it go for a while and build it up and build it up. And, you know, they're in and out. And, you know, hopefully they'll battle for, uh, you know, several years to come. Yeah, because they're both, um, you know, I'm not real sure how um, how old um, Matt and Nick are. I mean, I think they're probably like in their 30s or definitely late 20s. But, you know, that analogy to the Hardy Boys was a really good one. Um, because, of course, the Hardy Boys, they were – we didn't talk about them on the last episode, but they were really instrumental in that Attitude Era and this high-flying tag team wrestling that you really hadn't seen before. And I, I think the Young Bucks are really a, a modern version of them. And I, I like San Antonio and Ortiz. I mean, they, they're aggressive. They've got good moves. I think they're excellent heels. Um, and that match was fantastic. I mean, just flying all over the place. Um and the Young Bucks actually lost. They've been losing quite a bit in um, AEW. I think their record's like six and three or six and four. But um, as one guy has said, I, he and I agree with it. He likes the fact that 
you know, the founders have not been coming in and running roughshod over everybody. They're kind of trying to build these unknown guys up because if you just have the young bucks coming and dominating all the tag teams, you don't build up a really rival. And I think that's important. I think that's very important as well. And, you know, you, you kind of alluded to it for a second there. One thing that I love about AEW is they actually keep up with the win-loss column. That's one thing that the other wrestling organizations have never really done. And I think that's a new look for it. You know, because growing up, we always would keep up with who beat who and things like that. But you never had a true record of wins and losses. And I think AEW keeping up with that and showing that week in and week out, that, that gives it more of a feel of competition. I think that's a, that's a good look for it. Yeah. I mean, I, the only rankings I remember, I know those old wrestling magazines back in the day, like Pro, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, they always have like a top 10 from all the different promotions and the most popular and most hated. But, um, you know, really after, um, I guess, WCW folded, they really didn't have rankings and you'd have guys getting title shots. So you'd be like, well, dang, that guy was, you know, losing several matches. And all of a sudden they're getting a title shot. How did they really work their way up? So. But uh, I do like that that matchup. I don't. I think they're going to push it a little bit more. But it's been uh, great, a lot of high energy, and I think Santino and Ortiz um, are a really great heel. So the next match on the card is between two of my favorite wrestlers, actually in AEW. It's Pac, who used to be Neville in WWE, and Hangman Adam Page. And these guys have really had some great matches. And I thought that the match on the pay per view was. Really entertaining and uh, just a great, great match. Did you see that match, or did you hear about it? So I did not see the match on pay-per-view, but I saw this match that they just had this week. Mm-hmm. And those two those two can go. They are Adam Page, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, I followed him for a time. I think he was in ROH for a, a little bit before he came over here. And, of course, Neville, I, I was really taken with him in WWE for the 205 Live and was really excited about 205 Live, but it seems like they've kind of let it fizzle. Uh, but Neville is a great athlete, great character. Uh, I think he does well in the ring. He handles himself well in the ring. And those two have a good chemistry together. That that match uh, from Wednesday night was, for lack of a better term, dynamite. I mean, it, it was an amazing match. Nonstop action. I, I thought they did very well with that. And they told a good story in the ring. Yeah, that match they had Wednesday night on uh, AEW Dynamite, it was basically the same match they had in the pay-per-view, just the the results were reversed because in the pay-per-view, Hangman Adam Page won, and uh, of course Wednesday night Pac won, so they were trying to you know, have it where the the series was somewhat even, but ultimately Pac's been winning out, but I tell you what, um, Neville is one of these guys, or Pac now, when he did that heel turn in WWE, he, he has kept that. And he is such a good heel. And just his aerial moves are fantastic because he wasn't getting the push that he needed in WWE. And now if he was over there, I mean, he'd be against guys like Ricochet and um, you know Ali and these high flyers we'll talk about a little bit later. And uh, But he fits in very well in AEW because they have a lot of high flyers. I mean, Adam Page, is he's a pretty big guy. And he's doing these high-flying moves off the, the – um, the top and so I, I think they have really good chemistry um i think that match from aew uh, on wednesday night might be the end of that rivalry because i think they've been kind of going at it since the start so they'll probably start something new 
But um, I think both of those guys are real stars for AEW. I think they have the look. I mean, both of them are built, especially Pac. I mean, he's just built like a, a freight train. And, you know, Adam Page, he kind of reminds me of, of, a, of a combination of like Diamond Dallas Page and Stan Hansen from back in the day. He's not as big as those guys, but he kind of has the look of um, of um, Diamond Dallas Page. Maybe even a little bit of Barry Windham in him, too. Um, I mean, he has that great lariat like Stan, Stan Hansen did and that cowboy thing. So I just really like yeah, his I, character. That's exactly right. I was about to bring up the lariat after you mentioned Stan Hansen. I, you can't hardly go without mentioning that mentioning that move. And uh, Adam Page does have it, man. He he pulled it out of his repertoire several times uh, Wednesday night. And uh, the one time I really recall was uh, he, he called Pac to do a complete 360 after he hit him with it. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a very high impact move, man. It it was excellent. Yeah, because he jumps off the the side of uh, the top rope on the side, does like a somersault, and jumps up and does a clothesline. I mean, that's a that's a heck of a move right there. Right, right. So, no, I de- I definitely like that series. Um, I mean, I was kind of surprised on the pay per view they didn't put Pack over, but um, the more I thought about it, I mean, I didn't have a problem with Adam Page winning on the pay per view because he lost on the last one and. They don't want to bury him because I think, you know, eventually as Jericho moves on and others, I mean, um, he's going to be a star in that brand for a, a long, long time. Right. So, all right, the next match uh, they went into was Sean Spears, uh, of course, from WWE as um, the, the perfect 10 versus Joey Janela. And, and of course, Sean Spears has Tully Blanchard. And they, um, they kind of continued a little bit on Wednesday. Sean Spears ended up winning the match, but I mean, what's your take on this on this match and this rivalry? I think that rivalry is a good one, and I love the fact that they're bringing Tully Blanchard out as, as kind of a manager role. And we touched on that a little bit in the last episode. I feel like they should bring the managers back. That was always a good, good uh, thing that they had back in the day that you really don't have anymore. You don't have that element, that outside element lurking out outside of the ring. That you know at any time can be dangerous and can can give somebody a uh, an advantage. Uh, Tully Blanchard is great for that role. Uh, I always, you know, a lot of people hated him, but that was really kind of what he got paid for back in the day. I, I was always a Tully Blanchard fan, and uh, you know he was a horseman, so I, I loved him. And he was also a part of the Brainbusters. Yeah. Uh, with Arn Anderson when they left uh, NWA WCW and went over to WWE for a while. Uh, and I thought they did well over there under Bobby Heenan. You know, that was that was a good thing. And maybe Tully will pull out some of the old uh, Bobby Heenan antics, you know, because he was under his tutelage for, for quite a while in WWE. So maybe we'll see more of that as, as AEW progresses. Yeah, I like the fact uh, they're trying to build more heat for Sean Spears. Um, and one of the ways they did that is in the pay-per-view match against Joey Janela. Spears ended up winning... Um, mainly because Tully Blanchard got involved from the outside and did a spike pile driver on the outside like what he did back in the day with Arn Anderson as the finishing move for the Brain Busters. And then, of course, um, Sean Spears rolled him in and did his finishing move and won. But, you know, they got to push Sean Spears a little bit because he, you know, the former Ty Dillinger from um, WWE, and they need to get him on a roll. The only thing with that guy is um, I – I don't know how big of a star he can be because I don't know that he he has like 
I don't think he has the the draw with the crowd like a Hangman Adam Page does or a Pack. I think he's probably going to be just one of those steady middle guys. Um, what do you think about that? Well, and if you think about that, that actually ties in perfect with Tully Blanchard because I mean I, I'm going to be honest, Tully Blanchard was not a big star on his own. I mean, he really played his role and played his part, and some of these guys have to do that, right, to make the mm. show bigger. And Tully Blanchard played that role as one of the horsemen. He wasn't one of the stars. Like, he, you know, everybody didn't know Tully like they know Ric Flair. Ric Flair's globally known. Uh, only people that were fans of that time really know who Tully Blanchard is. So, uh, yes, he was popular, but he was popular because he was with the horsemen. And then he had some popularity when he went over to WWE with Arn as the tag team because, you know, they did some, some good matches with Demolition, uh, Heart Foundation, and things like that. So they got some notoriety over there. But as I said, you know, Tully was never a standout star himself. He just knew how to play his role, and he played it to the fullest. And I think maybe that's the, the same thing that we need to, uh, or AEW needs to go for with, with Spears. And I do really like that rivalry. I, I think it's a good rivalry. You know, they, they've they been burning down the house with their matches. I, I think it's, AEW right now is doing really well with their, their uh, booking. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm still learning more about Joey Janela, but, um, you know, he kind of reminds me in a way of like a, a very young Chris Jericho, both in look and, you know, his, his antics. But, uh, you know, we'll see how it keeps going. I mean, they had a... a they got into it again on Wednesday night, so they're going to be pushing that rivalry along, and we'll see what happens there. Um, so did, on, on that note, do you know what the connection is between uh, Spears and Tully? What, what is that connection? What's the storyline behind that? I, I'm, I'm not even aware of that. I, I think it was just the fact of, um, I mean, they put Tully with him because they, they need to get Sean Spears over, and I think the fact is that... Um, his story was he's this guy that hasn't reached his full potential, and a guy like Tully, who's a former Horseman Hall of Famer, is the guy can that can maybe get him over and like lead him to the promised land. That that's kind of my take on it. Gotcha, and that's probably a good move. Yeah, no, I think so. So after that, um, they had a a pretty awesome tag team match with SoCal Uncensored. Uh, Uncensored. Versus Lucha Brothers and Private Party in a triple threat match with SoCal Uncentered winning that. And I didn't really know too much about these tag teams until I started watching AEW. But that Scorpio Sky is fantastic from uh, SoCal Uncensored. I agree. He is. Uh, I'm glad that he was able to step in. I think that was a good part of the storyline. Uh, Daniel and uh, Azarian. I've been keeping up with those guys for years. And Christopher Daniels is a lot older than everybody thinks he is. He's been in the business for, for years. I mean, he he's right up there with Jericho. Kazarian's not far behind. And those those two guys had great success in TNA back when TNA was actually hot. And uh, if you recall, I was talking about the tag team division in TNA uh, in the last episode. They were a big part of it, and I did not give them the credit that they deserved because they were right in there with, with the beer money and and those tag teams and LAX, and they were just right in the middle of it, mixing it up with the best of them. And on top of that, Christopher Daniels was a big part of the X Division that I had mentioned a little bit about uh, last time, and that was when, uh, again, when TNA was, was really booming. They were coming up, 
and uh, hey, Christopher Daniels could go, Kazarian could go. They they got they're good on the mic. They make you uh, love to hate them. Uh, they're just really good heels for the most part. And I you know I love the fact that they got jumped and and Daniels got taken out, and then this guy stepped in and he's really stepped in in a big way. I mean they're carrying the gold right now. Mm-hmm. So I I think it's a good story and I think it's a good good rivalry between those two teams. Yeah, um, talk a little bit more about the AEW tag team scene. Um, you know, we talked about with the Young Bucks and also um, um, Santana and Ortiz, but they have the private party, high energy group, Lucha Brothers. What do you think about the tag team division they've put together so far? I think right now they're doing well with it because true wrestling fans from back in the day, and again, we touched on this some last week, That I feel like that's what's been missing now uh, Give credit where it's due. WWE is stepping up in that in that environment. They are coming coming back with uh, some good tag teams. But right now, AEW, I, I really it's fresh. They're on fire. I think their tag team division looks good. Honestly, I think their women's division is looking pretty good. I uh, just realized that uh, I think last week it was I saw Awesome Kong on there, and she'd been kind of out of the picture for a while, and she was a dominant force uh, in TNA. And she had actually came over to WWE and then had to leave because she started a family. So that was a thing that kind of happened with her. I think it was unplanned and an unfortunate situation. But now she's back and she's with Brandy Rhodes. And, you know, not to get off on the women yet, but uh, that just kind of segued. But I, I feel like ADEW is doing a good job with, with all the divisions right now. Yeah. Uh, tag team I, I, that I just noticed this week uh, – can't even remember what they're called, but they're with Lucha Soros. Yeah, uh, the like, jun- Jungle Boy. It was. <laughs> hey, those guys are good, man. They're fun to watch. They're high flyers. Uh, they're not your big muscular guys like you would uh, normally see in some of the bigger uh, organizations. But these guys are, are amazing with some of the moves that they come out with. And I'm going to tell you, Lucha Soros is actually a big guy, and he is amazing. I mean, he is something to watch. He's doing these moves with these guys that he outweighs by at least 100 pounds. He's executing the moves just like they do. Yeah, um, I'd never heard of that guy until I saw him premiere on Wednesday. Yep. I had seen glimpses of him, but and, and usually, you know, with my history with wrestling, and, I, you know, I kind of keep up with different wrestling here and there. I even used to watch some of Triple uh, X out of uh, Mexico, and I even watched some Lucha Underground that was out of Los Angeles. I don't know who Luchasaurus is. I have to be honest. They pulled one over on me. I, it, once they unmask him, eventually I may say, "Oh yeah, I remember that guy." But right now, I don't know who he is. I can't. I can't put a, a face to the name. Yeah. Well, transitioning into the women, um, the next match they had on that pay per view was Riho versus um, Emil Sakura, and Riho won by by uh, by pinfall. What do you? Did uh, you expand a little bit more about WWE's women's division and uh, what you think about that? So with WWE's women's division, you know, they're... Oh, I'm sorry, AEW. I said I meant AEW. But you can talk about it, WWE okay. as well. <laughs> well, uh, so WWE, I mean, they're they're really pushing it. I think that, you know, as I was watching SmackDown last night, I, I got a thought in the back of my head, and I was going to bring this up to you as a side note, but I, we might as well bring it out here in front of everybody. I feel like WWE's heading toward possibly having a show that's all women. I think that that's where we're going to go eventually. I think that's going to be their their take in the next few years because 
honestly, the women are doing just as well as the men right now, mm-hmm. and if and if not better than some of them. And with all the star power that you've got, and you and I touched on this uh, last week, we touched on it again a little bit already today. WWE's got so much talent, they don't know what to do with it. So, like, last night on uh, SmackDown, they had to do an eight-man tag match for the women because there's just not enough TV time to get everybody involved, and they're trying to keep everybody relevant. So I I seriously believe that WWE, uh, you know, behind the scenes, you know, behind the curtain, they call it, I feel like eventually they're going to come up and say, let's start an all-women's brand and just push that. So I think that'll be yet another brand and another thing that we'll see out of WWE in the in the future. I, how close I don't know, but I, I just something in my gut tells me that that's coming. Well, I, so I wouldn't AEW, be surprised. Go ahead. I was just saying I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So AEW, man, I, I touched on. I I was a big Brandy Rose fan when she was in WWE. I thought she was talented. I love the fact that her and Cody are together. They're the power couple, you know, kind of like uh, Miz and and uh, his wife. I think that they even take it a little farther because Brandy competes uh, still. Uh, she's a good heel. She does she does a great job. Where Cody's kind of the face, she's kind of the heel. It's kind of you know, it's really kind of funny how they're playing that off of each other. And uh, Awesome Kong is a good uh, like bodyguard and enforcer for her. They make a good team. Uh, I was always an Awesome Kong fan when she was in TNA. Like I said earlier, she was totally dominant over there. Uh, so to me, they've got some star power. If you've been keeping up with women's wrestling in the last five to, to seven years, uh, Brandy Rose is, is top notch. Awesome Kong is great. Uh, I think the lady that you referred to, Rio, she, she's kind of new to me, but I, I like what I see so far. And I think that she could possibly match up with Awesome Kong as well. Yeah, they. Um, I know in the women's division at AEW, they've brought a lot of stars over from the Japan wrestling uh, because that's where Kenny Omega was very um, popular and did a lot of stuff there, and, and he in- was intentionally trying to bring that style of wrestling over. So I will admit that um, AEW's women's division, It's I'm still having to learn more about it and get the, the stars to grow on me because uh, right now I think the WWE women's division is better. But you know, over time, I think uh, AEW will uh, you know get those stars more over and more well known to people through their weekly episodes, and uh, I think it'll be good because there are a lot of very talented women in wrestling right now. And I, like you said, I mean, if they do an all women's pay per view in WWE, I mean, I think they would still get. I don't know how great the ratings would be, but I think they'd be really good just because of the talent that you have and. Um, We'll get onto it a little bit later on the uh, Survivor Series matchup. I mean, you know, NXT has a lot of very talented women as well. So I think women's Agreed. wrestling is definitely on the, the way up. Because, you know, back in the day when we first started watching, I mean, I don't think WCW or I can't remember any women's wrestling in NWA, uh, WCW until maybe um, like maybe in the 90s or something. But the first women wrestlers I remember were the fabulous Moolah and Wendy Richter. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on that, uh, and that was just a every now and then thing. I mean, that was kind of a, a special treat because, you know, they weren't even on the scene a whole lot, but, uh, you know, every now and then in a, a big event, they would throw Wendy and uh, Moolah out there, or every now and then you'd get a tag team, but it was a rare occasion to get them, you know, especially like on a Saturday night's main event or 
yeah. or anything like that. And I have to agree with you. I don't really recall NWA carrying uh, women now that I'm, I'm thinking about it. That's a really good point. Uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, I don't recall it. But they had a lot of good ballets. I do remember that. Yeah. Rick Flair always had somebody out there. But uh, as far as actually in-ring competition, I think until like Nitro hit, I, and maybe I'm just drawing a blank, I'm, and I'm just not thinking, but I don't recall it. Now, I do recall uh, AWA uh, having, uh, and she, she was, I, why can I not? Medusa, think you're thinking right Medusa, now. aren't you? Medusa. Medusa, Medusa Maselli. Maselli. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Because, um, gosh, I'm trying to think. In WWE, they had um, a blonde lady named Judy Martin. And then, but, I mean, I don't even think the worst, the, the any women competitors in WWE, I'm sorry, NWA, WCW came along. I can't remember if Tori Wilson um, competed when she was in uh, WCW. I, I think she was just a valet, I think. Um, I don't think Stacy Keebler competed when she was Miss Hancock. I think that was starting when she was in WWE. I agree, but uh, the one that did compete was the one that they called Miss Madness over there. She was uh, running around with Macho Man some, mm-hmm. and then she she was Molly Holly in WWE. Okay. Oh, and of course, one we we didn't mention, but definitely should be mentioned with you know great women. In wrestling, is sensational Sherry. Uh, absolutely, she was a big one in WWE, and for, she did some comp- competition in WCW when she came over there, and she was running with uh, Harlem Heat. But it was just uh, she was more of the valet or the manager, but she did do some in-ring work. Mm-hmm. And as I really think, I mean, the first women who got really, really popular with the women's division and stuff. I mean, of course, Trish Stratus, but she kind of came in as a valet that turned into mm-hmm. a really good wrestler. And then you had, I mean, all these others like Mickey James and um, the, you know a lot of them that we mentioned last week. But I, I don't think, you know, as good as Trish Stratus is, I mean, I know she won her last pay-per-view. She might be the exception. But I, I just don't think there's anybody better than Charlotte Flair when it comes to women's wrestling. With all due respect to to Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. I mean, Charlotte Flair is just a completely different um, style of wrestler because she's a big woman and she's a strong woman. And, um, you know, we didn't really talk much. Uh, well, we didn't mention it all. Um, ah, shoot, the MMA girl, Ronda Rousey, that came over. I yep. I was not a fan of Ronda Rousey coming over. Um, you know, we talked last week about pe- people um, coming in from – the MMA and then getting the big push and everything. I mean, I just didn't think Ronda was very good in the ring at all. I thought she got better, but I just thought it wasn't believable, her in the ring beating Charlotte Flair and this and that. Now, that being said, I think when she turned heel in a way in that match with Becky Lynch, it definitely helped. And I think if she chooses to continue when she comes back after having the baby – I think there's no reason in the world why, why Ronda Rousey can't be really good in the ring, but I just felt like when she came in and was basically handed everything, I was not a fan. What's your take on that? I agree 100%. I never like it when they just come in and get handed things, and I knew right away that Ronda, because I was a Ronda fan in MMA, because I do follow, or I did follow MMA. I've kind of gotten out of it uh, the last few years, but 
uh, Rhonda, I knew she would not be good on the mic because she couldn't hype it up, and she was an MMA fighter. She was not a entertainer. You know what I'm saying? There's a there's a huge difference there, and uh, I think that they should have let her build up her skills a little bit, but. I see. I have seen a couple of her matches after she had been in it for a little while. That hey, she was doing good in ring work, and she was carrying the match. I mean, against some of these experienced girls. So I, I feel like that the wrestling part of it, she's good on, but she really needs to work on her mic skills. And I'm with you. I kind of think that she makes a better heel uh, than she did a face. And but one thing I will go, I want to give Ronda Rousey props on is she was a huge. Roddy Piper fan. Yeah. And that that bled through in MMA. Roddy Piper actually came to a couple of her fights, and I, I had known that before she ever crossed over into the wrestling world. And she even asked him to use his moniker of Rowdy. She was using that in MMA before she came to wrestling. Mm-hmm. A lot of people may not know that. But, you know, I, I got to give her props because she is a actual wrestling fan. And, hey, what better character to be a fan of than Rowdy Roddy Piper? Yeah. Well, I tell you, one thing I did, uh, I got to give props to is uh, her husband, Travis Brown, because uh, when they had uh, Bret Hart up there getting that award and this fa- this crazy fan comes in and attacks him, like that guy Travis Brown hopped over the rail and was like on that guy immediately, like just kicking the crap out of him like Dash Wilder was in there. But, um but the thing with Ronda, too, that I, uh, and one wrestler that we didn't talk about because she's been hurt uh, is Nia Jax. I really like Nia Jax, but I think Nia Jax is kind of in the category as a, um, as a Braun Strowman, where yeah. it, it's just hard for me. Like when, when Nia Jax got the title and she was going against Ronda, I mean, she was dominating Ronda in the ring, just dominating her. And then for her to kind of have to sell like that for a win, I just thought it was kind of cheap. Um, I, I'm a big Nia Jax fan. Um, and I just think that, you know, she got buried. But, I mean, it's it's one of those things. It's like it is what it is. When you bring in a Ronda Rousey with the, the notoriety and stuff, WWE was trying to take advantage of that. But I did like it at the end when um, they had that matchup with her and Charlotte Flair and um, Becky Lynch. I'm glad Ronda lost. But, you know, it was like she was just starting to kind of get to be really good at the time that she lost and, and decided with – uh, to go with the family, which is, you know, great for her. But I do think she'll come back, and I think she'll be even better because, um, you know, she she puts forth the effort, and I think uh, she'll get there. But but back to WC or uh, AEW because we did owe the women a, a detailed discussion because we didn't get that last time. And like we said, um, the women wrestling right now is just fantastic, and um, you know, it's I'm, I'm glad to see it. Agreed. Before we jump on AEW, I, I want to uh, jump uh, say something about Nia Jax too, because I haven't given her her due. I am a fan. I I think that she is excellent in the ring. Uh, one thing that I like about Nia Jax is she's a big woman, but she is gorgeous, and mm-hmm. I think that she is uh, good for. And I don't want to <laughs> sound sexist or weird about this, but she makes it okay. You know, to be a bigger woman. I mean, she she's a model. She's a plus size model outside of wrestling. Uh, she carries herself well, and she's okay with it. And I think that that is good for you know people's image issues nowadays. I think that that's a, a great thing. Yeah, she's kind of like that model, um, Ashley Graham, 
who is yep. um, you know a little bit bigger in the body, but a really pretty face. I think she's good yep. on the mic too. I agree with that. She is very good on the mic. She overall, I think they're underselling her, and I I, I agree with you a hundred percent on that uh, estimation. I, I think that she should be really they should be pushing her as a, as a you know dominant monster right now because she's. She's strong too. I don't know if you've watched any of oh, yeah. the workout videos or, or whatever, but she can push some weight. Yeah, well, that's why I think when she comes back from injury, um, having some bigger women in there like Lacey Evans, it's it's a reason uh, it's a more reasonable matchup from a a size standpoint. Like when she was going against Alexa Bliss and some of the smaller ones and maybe losing, I'm like, you know, in real reality, that that's just not going to happen. But um, right. You know, having somebody like Lacey Evans, Charlotte Flair in there definitely helps. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward for Nia Jax to, to return. So um, going back to AEW in the full gear, um, the next match they had that we haven't talked about is Chris Jericho versus Cody in the AEW World Championship. And the stipulation was that if Cody Rhodes – well, Cody, he can't say Cody Rhodes, but um, if <laughs> – yeah, WWE trademark stuff. But um, – if Cody lost, he would never challenge for the AEW world title again. And he ended up losing because his his friend, MJF, threw in the towel after Jericho had him in the, the lion uh, tamer for a second time and was like literally kicking Cody right in the head. I mean, he, he had him down pretty bad. Um, overall, I thought that was a very good match. Um, I mean, Cody took a legit hit when he... Wanted to, he hopped out of the ring or flew out of the ring, and he landed forehead first into um, the the sidewalk coming down, and so he split his head open. So they had to kind of build that in. But I thought it was a good match, a good sell, and honestly, I really like the way it ended with MJF throwing in the towel because I like that MJF. I mean, he reminds me of like a a, a heel Miz, a heel Roddy Piper. He is great on the mic, and that's going to be a hot rivalry with him and Cody. And I think that that's what they're building up. Uh, you know, they really played off of that uh, in Wednesday night's episode as well. And I love the uh, going back and forth between him and Jericho about, you want me to be in the inner circle? You want to be in the inner circle? I just stuff like that really cracks me up, and Jericho is actually the king of that kind of thing. I, he just has these little quips that are hilarious, and he's been able to do that his whole career. And even the having a little bit of the bubbly that catchphrase. I mean, yeah, he, he took a he took a tragedy that actually was a, a huge mistake that he that he made. I don't know if you heard the story behind it. Mm, I did. And he. <laughs> so what had happened was he lost the belt, like literally lost, physically lost the AEW title belt after winning it. And if I'm not mistaken, if, if the story, if I remember the story correctly, it was in the airport and it was because <laughs> he had been drinking a little bit and uh, he let the belt get away from him somehow. Somebody picked it up or he left it or something and it come out that he was uh, too busy with a little bit of a bubbly and he just turned it into a catchphrase and now he he says it all the time as you know he's celebrating his wins and things like that so that's one thing I love about Jericho is he can always turn something into a catchphrase or you know as just like in WWE well you just made the list or you know yeah. things like that I mean he's always had a knack for that and it just 
it makes people laugh, but it also makes people hate him, and that's what he's getting paid to do. So this yeah. guy going back and forth with him, I really feel like he is going to be in the inner circle uh, eventually, and I think that they're going to build that rivalry up with Cody, and it's going to be just hot. They're, they're going to they're going to trade matches back and forth, and it's just going to be a bit of rivalry for a while. And that's the stuff I love. You know, that's that's the old school uh, WWE take on on things the way they used to do it. Mm-hmm. I think booking Jericho to win that match was the right thing too for for a couple of reasons. Number one, I mean, you don't bring Chris Jericho over to AEW to make him a mid card guy. And I also, once they decide to put the championship on him, you don't leave him as champion for just like a month or two. Uh, and right. signed a three year contract and and everything. And I think also just from the storytelling. If you remember back to Dusty Rhodes, it was always, well, he's challenging Ric Flair. He didn't win this time. Well, can he win it again? And it's always like this slow climb to the top because he's the common man. And that's kind of the character that Cody is playing as well. And I feel like, you know, if Cody just gets the championship right away, then it's sort of like also send a message to the fans and the other wrestlers. Well, you know what? He's in ownership, so he's obviously just going to win. And I think from a you know, we talked last time about the booking issues that WCW had problems with, and you said don't let the inmates run the asylum kind of a thing. That is exactly what would be happening if Cody's booking himself to be the champion right away. I agree, and I think Cody's actually smarter than that. And he, even as a kid or as a teenager, he got to watch his dad go through a lot of that stuff, and he knew what was successful and what wasn't. And I agree 100%. I was going to make this reference uh, later in the conversation, but I feel like the inner circle is kind of like today's horsemen. Mm-hmm. And it's always, you know, it's always the one guy trying to fight them. You know, for a while it was Dusty Rhodes, then it was Sting. And, you know, a lot of times the horsemen would get the best of them, man, and they, they would have to climb and climb and climb until they finally got their hands on Ric Flair with no horsemen around, you know, or, or totally Blanchard with none of the other horsemen around. And, the good guy finally got got their retribution. You know, they finally got to get their revenge. And uh, I, I think, honestly, that's what they're doing, and it's working. I, I think the story the uh, storyline is good. I think the writers are doing a good job right now. In AEW, again, it's still early. They're, they're a hot new company. You know, I think everything that they do right now is gold because it's fresh. So it, it, the story will be told a, a year later, you know, a year down the road, can we – when we have these conversations, are we going to be able to say, well, AEW is still fresh. They're still, you know, innovative. They're still keeping me interested. But honestly, right now, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I think they're doing great, and, and they are keeping it interesting for sure. And uh, I agree 100%. You can't just put the strap on Cody right now because now exact thing that you said, we'd go back and say, well, they're just WCW all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I thought it was a real good match. Um, you know, Jericho brought in his line tamer and a lot of the the old moves uh, from back in the day. Uh, I think Cody's a really good wrestler. I I don't think he's the best wrestler in this um, in, in AEW. I mean, I don't I don't think he's even close to the wrestler that Pac is. Um, I think Hangman Adam Page is better. I think H- Cody's good, but I just think it's a smart move right now to not put him as the number one guy yet because really he he isn't but that being said um i think that storyline with him is really good 
and uh, transition into another storyline has been this John Moxley Kenny Omega feud. That yep. has been wild. What's your take on that so far? So let me give John uh, Moxley his his due. Uh, you touched on him a little earlier, and I, I did not chime in. I agree with you that uh, when he was with the Shield, I loved the Shield. I thought that was a great story. I thought that was a great team. I kind of looked at them as like the you know the new DX or the new NWO, except maybe a little more serious because they weren't as funny and. You know, they didn't have all the quips and things like that, but they came in and took care of business, and I thought they were great as a team. And I really hated it when they split them up, and they pushed uh, Moxley, which was then Dean Ambrose. And as a singles wrestler, I was not a Dean Ambrose fan. I just did not think he was doing well. And out of the three of them, honestly, I thought uh, – I'm drawing a blank right now. Seth Rollins. I thought Seth Rollins was head and shoulders above and beyond the other two in the singles realm because Seth, I knew him when he was in ROH for a little while. He was good over there. Uh, I think Moxley was over there for a little while, but I I must have missed that uh, time frame somehow or another. And uh, But when WWE split them up, I thought that uh, Rollins did well, and I thought he carried himself well. But I thought the other two were kind of floundering, and I thought, well, you know, why don't they just put them back together as a tag team and let them do that? But they, you know, they never did. They just kind of pushed them as as singles wrestlers. Uh, But now, with him over here, I think his temper tantrum that he threw in WWE was founded because I'm seeing a whole new side to him. And, hey, the guy put on about 20, 25 pounds of muscle, he looks good. He's bulky. He, he looks strong. I never felt like he, he could sell that in WWE because he didn't have that extra 20 to 25 pounds on him. And I think he's selling great now, and I love Kenny Omega. I think he is awesome. I think he's got great talent. Uh, I discovered him when he and Jericho were doing these matches a couple years back over in the Tokyo Dome. I guess it was for New Japan, or it was, it was one of the Japanese organizations. I think it was New Japan. But, uh, you know, he's a Canadian guy, and that's how Jericho, I guess, knows him. But, man, they were tearing the house down over there. And, honestly, you were talking about who the top wrestlers were in AEW. I'm putting Kenny Omega in the top three. I think he's one of the top three guys over there right now as far as wrestling. Yeah, no, I mean, he is, but I think it's one of those things where – I, I think the the wrestlers that are in the, the ownership group, they're making a conscious effort to put other guys over because, I mean, Kenny Omega's lost a couple of times too. He lost in that pay per view to um, to um, John Moxley, but right. it's one of those things. If they go in and have uh, him beating John Moxley regularly, then Moxley's not really being propped up like he should be, and the the fans take right. the attitude. Well, you know what? Maybe is this guy that's really not that good, and like kind of like the the end of his WWE career? Because at the end of WWE, I mean, those gimmicks when he turned heel and that whole gas mask thing—I mean, it was just awful, awful. Yeah, it was terrible. And, terrible. I mean, but let me tell you, that pay per view match—it was great. Um, I mean, I think they went a little overboard on some of the antics, like bringing in the board full of. Um, uh, mouse traps and stuff like that. It, it it was definitely more like an um, ECW 
type of branded match. I mean, they were going through tables and this and that, going through glass. I mean, it, it was intense. Uh, but I think it was the right move for them to put Moxley over because they've got to keep him hot. And, um, you know, he's got to just stay hot for a while. And maybe they put a belt on him. I don't know. I don't know who Jericho ends up losing to at some point. But they, Kenny Omega is always going to be hot. Now, I think he's going to get into a rivalry and win some here. But you talk about some athletes just flying through the air and the moves. I mean, it was really impressive to watch. Yeah, I agree. They they're having a good feud, and and I love it. Uh, like you said, Moxley's holding his own. He's carrying the match just as well as Kenny Omega. I, I I think they're doing well, and I think the future is is definitely bright for Moxley over there. I, from what I see right now, and again, it's still early. I think Moxley made a great decision because I mean he's up there. He's in the top tier. You know he's he's gunning for the belt. He can take on any. He could take on Cody. He could take on Jericho for the belt, you know, anytime. So he's being mentioned with the top names right off the bat in a high production and I'm assuming high paid uh, job. So I feel like he made the right move in his career. I think it was good for him. And one thing you'll know about Vince is he'll hold a grudge for a short time, but if he thinks he can make some money out of you, he'll welcome you back with open arms. And I feel like if, if Moxley uh, does good and sells good over here in a few years down the road, maybe – Maybe he comes back to a, a juicy contract back over there, and they'll put him right back in the in the title hunt. The only thing is, if I was Moxley, I mean, you know, there's still a lot to be seen as to how AEW shakes out. I mean, because you know, I think the attendance for their pay per view, I think it was good, but they're going to these smaller venues. Uh, I don't know what their attendance was at um, in Nashville, but I, generally they're like around eighty five hundred, nine thousand seat venues they haven't gone to the stadiums that are the 20,000 seat stuff which is smart because I mean when you have it when you have a full audience in there and then it's like a demand to get tickets it creates this more exclusiveness so I think that's smart to do the ratings have been good they've consistently beat it uh beaten um, NXT, but the ratings on Wednesday night are still not as good as what Raw and SmackDown are. So they still have a ways, a ways to go. But I feel like with Moxley, he he can be that big fish in a smaller pond because I feel like if he goes back to WWE, there's just so much talent over there that's just not getting pushed. I mean, you know, we mentioned like EC3 and some of these others. One guy that we didn't mention um, in WWE who really, I mean, he hasn't been doing much at all after coming up from NXT, and that's um, Aleister Black. I mean, he's always doing these promos about, well, someone pick a fight with me and this and that, but he really hasn't done that much, and he came in with a big fanfare, and that guy's super talented. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I had forgotten about him, and we did not bring him up. Uh, there's a whole crew of those guys. Uh, I think you even mentioned uh, Mojo. Mojo Mojo's talented. Uh, Mojo's talented. He's not getting pushed. EC3 is – I'm a huge EC3 fan. I watch him come up through the ranks in TNA. I watched him develop his craft, develop his mic skills over there, because when he first started, he was a, he was green. You know, he was kind of terrible, and he, he – you can tell, man, he really pushed himself. He spent some time in the gym. He got uh, involved in a couple of good storylines over there. You know, supposedly he was Dixie Carter's nephew, and he played that to the hilt because he was getting 
you know, the storyline was he was getting pushed because he was her nephew and he was a heel, you know, so he was living that up and like he was for money and, and all that. So uh, EC3 is definitely not being utilized. And as you said, Alistair Black is not being. And it makes you wonder what, you know, what these guys are thinking to themselves. I mean, are they are they happy with, with what's going on? I would have to say no because wrestlers typically have huge egos and want to be in the middle of the TV and get TV time all, you know, every chance they get. And, you know, I think EC3 could go to AEW next week and make a huge impact. I mean, I think, you know, it would be a good pickup for them and it would be a good move for him. So, you know, I, it just kind of makes you wonder what their, their mindset is or what their future plans are. Yeah. I was reading an article on um, online with one of the wrestling uh, uh, outlets they were saying that there's a rumor that WWE may be cutting loose some of these guys that are just kind of lower card. And, and and honestly, I was like, I hope they do. Because, I mean, somebody like EC3 and Mojo Rawley, um, you know, they're just they're not going anywhere. And, and it's not their fault. Per, well, I guess, well, you know what, here's the thing. They must not be doing something right because if they were, WWE would be pushing them. So I don't know what the issue is there but at the end of the day i mean with all of the wrestling tv that the wwe has i mean they have three hours for for raw two hours for smackdown and two hours for nxt so that's seven hours of tv just just tv let alone the the other stuff they still can't get people enough airtime, and um it's just like they almost have too much talent and just not enough time so i don't know we'll see i, I would think more of these guys are definitely going to have to go to um to aew because another guy we haven't talked about with aew is um is, well it was jack swagger over in wwe and now it's jake hager um yeah. you know he, i think that's a good move for him i think he looks good i think um the problem i see over there in aew right now is i don't know who he goes against um, unless he's battling, I mean, Kenny Omega or something, because he's so much bigger than everybody else. And as far as the faces, with Dustin Rhodes being out, they don't really have a very big guy who's a face, who's a singles wrestler. So the, the thing I was thinking that they could do is put him in a, a uh, storyline with Luchasaurus. Yeah. I think that those two could have, I think those two could have a good match. They have contrasting styles. You know, Jake Hager's more of a, a uh, brawler and a true amateur wrestler. And uh, Luchasaurus is just a big guy that can that he, he can do all the moves. I mean, he I think that that could be a good match if it's written correctly and they, they get their, uh, you know, techniques down and stuff. I, I think it would be a very good match. And honestly, you're, you're right. I don't know anybody else that size-wise could match up with uh jake hager he's just a big big guy yeah and i kind of think that's why he's kind of been on the sidelines as sort of this i guess enforcer not to take arn anderson's turn but i can't uh think of anything else because i don't know that they have somebody to really match him up with i think they probably meant meant for dustin rhodes to be involved but he got hurt so right we'll see what happens but uh you know, that was another guy just over in WWE that was wasted. So we'll see. Well, we have got to get over to the Survivor Series um, um, discussion because it's going to be um, a w- 
coming up here pretty soon. And, you know, they're doing the build on it um, in uh, Raw and Survivors or uh, SmackDown. And right now they've got a pretty good card set up. Um, I'll just go over the card with you right now. Of course, they got Rey Mysterio versus um, Brock Lesnar, which I think that's going to be a great match. They've got um, The Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan for the Universal Championship. The Women's Championship, um, the Triple or the Survivor Series match is Becky Lynch from Raw, Bailey versus uh, from SmackDown, Shayna Baszler from NXT, and what they consider the Mid Card Champions match. You got uh, AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura versus Roderick Strong from um, NXT. Roderick's their North American champion, and the Men's Tag Team Battle. You got the Viking Raiders from Raw. Uh, the New Day from SmackDown and the Undisputed Era from NXT. Then you got uh, the Men's Survivor Series elimination match. So Team Raw is Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre, and Ricochet. Team SmackDown is Roman Reigns, King Baron Corbin, Ali, Shorty G, Chad Gable, and Braun Strowman. And then you got Team NXT who has yet to be determined, but... They have this guy over there named Keith Lee. He's a big old guy. He kind of reminds me of a, a heavier version of Tony Atlas from back in the day in the 80s. So I think he'll probably be in there. And then the Women's Survivor Series elimination match. Team SmackDown is with Sasha Banks, Carmella, Dana Brooke. Finally, they're giving Dana Brooke a, a little bit of a push, which is good, so she can get a payday. Uh, Lacey Evans and someone to be determined, but... I, I'm not sure who that will be. They haven't announced yet. I, I don't know if Alexa Bliss is hurt. I mean, she would be an obvious choice to go in there. Um, maybe they pick Sonya Deville or or Mandy Rose from uh, Fire and Desire. And then ten, Team NXT is yet to be determined. But I think it would be those women from um, last night, obviously. And uh, so let's start from the very top. What do you think of that Brock Lesnar-Ray uh, Mysterio matchup? I think that that is a good matchup and I hope that they let the match go and don't do some kind of a weird squash match like uh, Brock has been involved in you know in the past what I like about this match is they've actually built the storyline up with Brock beating his son up a couple of times Uh, Brock beat Kane you know they brought Kane in to be the muscle and Brock ended up defeating him so hopefully it's you know like the old story the old David and Goliath that wrestling has pulled, you know, year over year. Uh, but Rey Mysterio plays that role very well. And, of course, Brock Lesnar plays the Goliath role very well. So mm-hmm. I think it's a good storyline. I think that they're doing well with it. I just hope that they don't do a squash match for some weird reason. I hope that it's actually a good match and and they let, you know, let it go. I agree. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I guess my prediction on this um, – is I think Brock Lesnar is ultimately going to win. Um, I don't think they're going to put Rey Mysterio over on on Brock. But I, I'm kind of expecting uh, Mysterio's son Dominic to get involved and and do a heel turn at some point. And I think this might be the match where he does some type of heel turn to to cause um, Rey Mysterio to lose, and that helps build this feud up even more. I don't know if they'll go that way or if they'll just use this as a way to bring his son into the business and start putting his face out there like he comes out and interferes in the match to help his dad win. I I think it could go either way. 
I, it would be <laughs> it would be old school if they if they did turn him heel against his own dad. I I would kind of love that, but uh, I don't know if they'll go that direction. But I, they are going to use this match to bring him in one way or the other. I agree with you on that. Yeah. So be interesting to see there. But my my pick, I'm going Brock Lesnar to walk out still as champion one way or the other, whether it's a a clean victory. The victory through interference or a disqualification or something, but I don't think Brock Lesnar is losing that title. Now, uh, I have to I have to agree with you. Now, in the Universal Championship, we got the Fiend, the Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan. What's your uh, take on that? I love this match, but I really, <laughs> my heart and and my gut want me want Daniel Bryan to turn and go back with the family. You know, he did a, a brief stint back in the day with the family. I don't know if you remember this or not. No, I don't remember that. But Daniel Bryan was actually with the Wyatt family for, for a brief time. And, of course, later, you know, he did a face turn, and they tried to play it out like he was, uh, you know, doing that the whole time and was gonna was just kind of being undercover or whatever. But he kind of went through this heel turn where he was crazy and, and all that, and he kind of touched on this last night uh, on the uh, SmackDown with the uh, Miz interview, and he talked about how he was crazy and how he had the passion and this and that. I would love if they would push him into uh, going with The Fiend or, or Bray Wyatt again, and as you and I touched on last week, I loved the Bray, the Wyatt family concept. I wish that they would bring him back because you have Luke Harper and, and uh, Rowan. what's the big red? Yeah, Rowan. They're just kind of out there floundering, and those are two big, tough guys that deserve to be in the scene. You know, they, they should be on the scene. You know, are they main carters? Are they main eventers? Eh, maybe not, but they they are two good pieces to, like, a family or to some kind of a, a you know, a group setting, and I, I would like to see them uh, reform. And it, it would be the icing on the cake to get Daniel Bryan over in that again. Yeah, you know, um, they, were, they were talking about rumors for 2020 online, and one of the rumors was the, the Wyatt family getting back together. And uh, and it was even including Braun Strowman in that. So, you know, there are a lot of different directions they can go there because, you know, as we mentioned with Braun, I mean, I'm just not real sure what his direction is right now. Um, I mean, the thing with Tyson Fury, they kind of made up, and then, uh, but I don't know, it just. He's kind of in a weird place right now from a booking standpoint, so I'm kind of interested to see what's going to happen. So, Agreed. But to, to go back to that match, I, my thought process is Daniel Bryan comes out with the belt. Really? Wow. Yeah, I do. I think that'll be the upset of the night. That that would be surprising because I, I they've gone to so much time and effort to build the Fiend up for him to lose – in his first defense, I thought that'd be kind of tough. I, I just I feel like that'll be the upset of the night somehow or another. I, I just have a feeling. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. See, we're going to do our, our recap podcast after Survivor Series, so we'll see if you're right. Um, all right. Next uh, matchup, we got the women's uh, battle between among Becky Lynch, Bailey, and Shayna Baszler. Do you know much about Shayna Baszler? I don't know a whole lot about her. I am impressed with what I've I've seen, but I don't know a whole lot of backstory on her. She's kind of a fresh face for me. Yeah. So, yeah, honestly, I don't. Yeah, I know she's from MMA. um, So, we'll see. I mean, I think 
I think she's done a good job in the booking so far and the the attacks. I think this match has been set up very well with the the invasions by NXT. Even they did it last night. Bailey went over to SmackDown and did some invasion. Um, you know, they've had everybody kind of beat up on everybody, and it's not just been Becky Lynch um, coming in and dominating everybody. But I mean, I, I expect Becky Lynch to walk out with this. Um, I think she's she's their top woman right now. I mean, she's the face of their uh, their video game right now. So I expect um, Becky Lynch to come out as the winner here. But I think it, it will be a very good match because I really like the Bailey heel turn. Um, I think that was excellent. I think she's been a great heel. And I think they're going to want to make Shayna Baszler look strong too. So I, I think that this is going to be a really good match. Yeah, I think the whole match will be building up uh, Shayna. I think they're going to make her look really good. She's not going to come out the winner. I mean, I'm 100% agreeing with you that Becky Lynch will walk out the winner. Uh, and I do agree that I think Bailey is a great heel. She's playing it up. You know, she went from that sweet girl next door, you know, persona that she had for years. And now, you know, she's, she's doing real well with it. I think her and Sasha Banks are, are excellent together as the heel turn. So I, I'm i happy with it. I think it'll be a good match, and I agree. I think Becky will come out the winner. And, you know, I haven't even checked on the rules for these triple threats. Are they doing the rules where it's the first person who gets pinned uh, or the the person who does the pinning, that's the winner, like a triple threat? triple threat rules or is it like okay well if you get pinned you're out and then it's down from uh three to two i feel like they're doing the triple threat uh rules for both the threes uh because they're going to do the survivor series rule uh series rules for the uh big tag team match matches later in the night like the, yeah the original the original style of of survivor series which is what i love i love the old school rules for that yeah i, I just realize i didn't know what the rules were because i mean i think like i said becky lynch is going to win but i was trying to decide between bailey and Shayna baszler who's going to take that loss and i mean something tells me bailey for some reason but i i just i feel like at the end of the day you kind of need to protect your raw and smackdown people as much as you can because especially on fox i mean i heard fox wasn't really pleased with the way that smackdown's been going right now and so if you make your smackdown women's champion look bad um on your national tv group i or program i i don't know that that looks good but we'll see what happens right i kind of feel like uh it's going to be Shayna baszler doing a, a finishing move on bailey and becky coming in and taking the pin yeah that, it could happen but at the end of the day we think bailey might be the one being the one pinned i agree i yeah. agree with that 100 percent. she'll she'll take the loss yeah all right well this next match is going to be an awesome one um the the mid-card champions you got aj styles versus shinsuke nakamura versus roderick strong from nxt i mean if if this isn't the the match that is like the dominant match the 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 showstopper then i think that match with becky lynch bailey and Shayna baszler will be because you got AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Roderick Strong. All are um, very talented wrestlers, um, very skilled. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to this match. What's your take on this one? So, again, I covered this a little bit last week with WWE's main guys are all coming from TNA or ROH. 
and you may or may not know this, but you know Roddy Strong came from Ring of Honor. And I was a big fan of him over there. He was over there for, for quite some time, and he perfected his craft over there. I think Shinsuke Nakamura, you know, he's a great athlete. I think that's going to be the match of the night. I think because AJ Styles, everybody knows what he's capable of. You know, he's got his tenure in WWE now, but he was the face of TNA for years. And even when TNA was hot and was coming up, AJ was still the man. I mean, he was still carrying the ball for the most part. And then he left them and went over to Ring of Honor and did the same thing and did did some time in Japan. Uh, I, I just think that's going to be the match of the night. You've got three good athletes. They can sell. They, you know, they have, they all have good moves. Uh, they have many moves in their repertoire. I mean, that, that match is going to, if it lives up to its potential, it'll be the match of the night, no question. Yeah. What what do you pick? Um, who do you think will come <laughs> out of that? Now, that is tough because I, I, I don't know, man. Usually I'm really good at that, at, at picking, but for that match I'm, I'm not sure because it's hard to see who they're really trying to sell on that one. Yeah, because it's one of these things. Maybe maybe Roderick Strong comes out because he's the NXT champion, right? So, or he's the guy uh, representing NXT, right? Yeah, is the North American ch- uh, Championships that's that's their high, that's not their highest title, is it? I don't think because uh, Adam Cole has it. See, yeah. I, I kind of have always have mixed reviews about um, or mixed ideas of what's going to happen in Survivor Series because I usually think, okay, um, you know. They're going to try to have it pretty even between Raw and SmackDown. I've been completely wrong where, like, Raw just completely goes in and wins every match. And, like, right. so SmackDown walks away with nothing. And I'm, I'm trying to think, okay, they've got to have some match where NXT wins. But I'm like, in this match, they've put a lot into AJ Styles and pushing the OC. And the OC is not involved um, right now in any Line, so I think they get involved some way somehow in this match. Um, I mean, I think it's easy to say Shinsuke Nakamura doesn't win because I think he's very talented, but I just feel like that the fact that he doesn't really speak well in English, it's a problem for him getting over here. I mean, it's just yeah. it's tough. He doesn't have the the communication skills for those great promos, and they've tried to pair him with Sami Zayn, which I think is is helpful. But he just can't cut those promos like an AJ Styles can or a Roderick Strong. So, I mean, I can see him taking a loss and it not affecting him that much. And I just don't know if you book AJ Styles to lose to Roderick Strong. I mean, you want AJ Styles to be a strong guy. and So I don't know. But I think it's going to come down to either Roderick Strong or AJ Styles. Because AJ Styles even went over to NXT and was fighting those guys over there. So that's what makes me think that it's either going to be him or Roderick Strong. It, it would be easy to sell for the OC to come out and, and interfere and AJ get the win. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably, now that you brought that up, I'm, I'm leaning more towards that. But I know that they're really trying to build NXT up. So what better way to do it than hand Roderick Strong a win in this big, uh, big platform? Well, that's why I was like, there's shoot NXT up over the top. Yeah, that's why I was like, the whole idea of this NXT invasion—if they go into Survivor Series and get shut out—I mean, 
I think it looks bad, but it's like, where do you pick that match? So, right. well, maybe this, maybe it could be in this next match where they have the men's tag team champions. You have the Viking Raiders versus the New Day versus Undisputed Era. I mean, honestly, I think here, well, I was going to say, I think this is one where the New Day goes over. Um, I think Kofi's still hot enough where they don't want to, they, they squashed him once already with Brock Lesnar. I don't, I think this is kind of a little bit of a redemption, him getting the, the tag title back with Big E. So I guess my pick there would be the New Day. Um, the Undisputed Era, I just think from a physical matchup standpoint, it's not believable for them to beat the New Day and especially the Viking Raiders. And I don't know if the Viking Raiders are big enough now to beat the New Day, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Viking Raiders won because they're really good. So just from my personal standpoint, I would love to see the Viking Raiders get pushed over. I would love to see them win it. But I, I have to agree with you. I think the New Day will get get the victory simply because Kofi, just exactly what you said, Kofi's still hot. You know, He's still wildly popular. People are still really ticked off that he got squashed by Brock Lesnar and lost the title. I think this, agreed, this will be WWE's way to, to redeem that. And they will they will stay the tag team champs, uh, but I would love to see the Viking Raiders win it. I just don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think the only way that happens is if they decide from a booking standpoint that they want to go with a raw sweep. And I don't think they can go with a raw sweep because Fox Fox wouldn't allow it. I don't think. Right. I think Fox would be ticked if um, SmackDown gets rolled over in this in this pay-per-view. So I think they're going to have to have some type of um, wins coming out for SmackDown. And I I think they get two. I think they get the New Day in this one. And going into our next match, I think Team SmackDown comes out the winner in the Men's Survivor Series match. Um, You got Team Raw with Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre, and Ricochet. You got Team SmackDown, which is Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin, uh, Ali, Shorty G, and Braun Strowman, and then Team NXT. So, I mean, you know that's going to be um, Adam Cole and uh, probably, like I said, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, some of these other guys. But I don't think they're going to let Roman Reigns um, come out a loser in this match. That's my take. What do you I think? Ha- I have to agree with that. And the names that you mentioned on Raw, I don't know that they can all – work well as a team together as their characters you know what i mean i think yeah. that that'll come that'll come to play somebody will get mad at somebody and that that'll be their ultimate uh, shortfall that'll be their undoing and then smackdown will take the victory i i agree 100 percent i and, and again that's where you and i differ because i'm not a huge roman reigns fan i love him in the shield i've, ne- I've never caught on to him as a uh, singles wrestler too much but i i agree with you 100 percent i feel like uh, they will come out of uh, the victors because of exactly what you just said. Yeah, and it's not so much that I'm a huge Re- Roman Reigns fan why I said that. It's just the fact that, I mean, I just feel like from a booking standpoint, and at the end of the day, the wrestling business will get involved. Fox can't have Roman Reigns go and, and get um, made to look bad, and I think they've got to come out uh, a winner there. But I tell you what, 
some of the wrestling that I'm looking forward to here is not from the, the main names. I'm looking forward to Ricochet being in the ring with Ali and Shorty G yep. and some of those guys from NXT. Because let me tell you uh-huh. what, that's going to be fantastic. I agree 100%. Uh, this pay-per-view has got a lot of potential. Uh, I, I, I think that the, the wrestling will be uh, better than what we've seen in a while. And I think they're trying to set their game up for obvious reasons. I mean, the, the wrestling over on the other program is really good. So mm. I, I, I think WWE is going to step it up for Survivor Series. Survivor Series has always been one of my favorite pay-per-views. I, I think it'll be well worth the watch. I think it'll be good. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking more about NXT and where they pull out wins and stuff, and we said it could be maybe that Roderick Strong match. But the more I think about it from a booking standpoint, even if NXT comes out and gets no wins, I still think you can sell that because I think in every one of the matches, they're going to have them look strong. Except, I mean, I don't know about that tag team match with the Viking Raiders, but I think... It might be the kind of classic story where they come so close, but yet they don't get it. But yet they're showing that they're on the way up. You know, Finn Balor is going to have to be on Team NXT. I didn't realize that. He's going to have to be on there. So in that men's Survivor Series match, I mean, you could have Seth Rollins, Ricochet, Ali, Shorty G, Adam Cole, and um, Finn Balor in there. I mean... That is just unbelievable. I mean, they can take the big guys out of it for all for my uh, concern. Except I do love Drew McIntyre. I think he's great, and I think Kevin Owens will be great in it. But if you yep. just let those those small guys go, oh my gosh, that's going to be fantastic. That's a heck of a lineup for one match. That, I mean, they're going to they'll burn the house down in that match, or if they've got potential to. Yeah, but I think at the end of the day with NXT. I don't think they're going to have enough big guys. I think the only big guy they really have is that Keith Lee. And I think he's good, and he'll come in and get his, his shots in and stuff. But when you got, like, your Braun Strowman's in there and Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre's and Orton's, they're not going to push him over over those guys. But, yeah, uh, I agree with that. But I'm looking for a SmackDown victory there, but we'll see what happens. And then, finally, the last match that we'll discuss – is the women's Survivor Series elimination match. Like I mentioned with SmackDown, they got Sasha Banks, Carmella, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, and one to be determined. Uh, We don't know who's going to be on Team Raw, but I think obviously a captain there is going to be um, Charlotte Flair. I think you're going to have Natalya in there. Um, I'm not sure else who they would would put in there right now because I think um, Alexa Bliss is over in SmackDown. I can't remember... All the Raw roster right now. Are the Iconics in Raw or are they in SmackDown? Uh, you know, I think they are on Raw, so they may get a piece of that. Yeah, I do like the Iconics. We haven't mentioned them yet, but uh, I, I think they're good. And, uh, you know, from NXT, it'll pretty much be the women from last night, maybe a, a few others. Um, gosh, I forgot the name of the the woman last night, the real big girl for NXT. Uh, Razor something or boy, she was tough. I, I I like to see her against Charlotte Flair and and Lacey Evans in there. She was about she had to be yeah, close to like five ten. I couldn't think of her name, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, she, she had, is impressive. She had the the butch haircut and pretty pretty rough, but um, yeah. But I don't see NXT going over there at all. I mean, I think 
I, I think that would be one where they push Charlotte Flair and uh, Team Raw comes out there. But yeah, Charlotte Flair, Charlotte Flair is hard to beat, man. She's <laughs> uh, she's entertaining, and of course, you know, the I would say the main reason why is who she grew up under watching. But yeah, she just she is the ultimate women's wrestler right now in my book. I mean, you, it's hard to beat her. She's got the look. She's got the moves. She's talented. She's athletic. She, you know, she's a big girl. You know, she's just she's tough. She's really strong. Yeah, and you know, with Raw. Um... I didn't even um, think. I mean, I'm not sure how close Nia Jax is to coming back, but I mean, it'd be kind of nice if she's able to come back and make her uh, her return because she'd be a game changer in that match for sure. Absolutely. So absolutely, because she's the one that could cancel uh, cancel everybody else out. You know, if she comes in, she's the X factor for sure. Yeah. So love some Nia Jax. I, I watched a. I don't watch Total Divas very often, but when I have and she was on there, she was hilarious. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I watch it every now and then. My, actually, my wife really uh, likes that show. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I tell you what, it looks like um, Survivor Series is shaping up to be a great card. Uh, you know, hopefully the booking goes over well. I, um, no squash matches. And uh, we'll have to come back and... Recap what actually happened. See if our predictions were close or way off. Absolutely. One other thing I wanted to throw up before uh, we get off of here is uh, what's your take on CM Punk actually being uh, a Fox analyst for WWE? Have you have you picked up on that one yet? Yeah, I, I saw where he's back. I mean, I think it's got to be something where it's eventually he's going to come back and wrestle. Uh, maybe it's something where he's sort of in training and you know, got to get in wrestling shape for it. I mean, to me, I see that as being a, a a matchup with Seth Rollins. I know they've had a bit of a Twitter war recently, and I think it'd be a, a good match. I, I think the thing with WWE right now is they are just, um, I mean, I, I think like their stocks were going down, and uh, Fox wasn't happy with the ratings on SmackDown, and so they're, they're trying to have some star power. I think that thing with Cain Velasquez just did not work at all. So... You know, there's just a lot of fluctuation going in. I mean, there are rumors like, well, is Triple H still going to be with WWE? Is you know, is Vince going to take over his spot? Because I mean, they kind of pushed Triple H to, which he's always been with NXT, and that's kind of his baby, and he's done a, a really good job with that. But the bottom line is, NXT's just they're losing every Wednesday night in the ratings to uh, to AEW. Um. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I think Punk, I think eventually he comes back. I mean, maybe it's kind of a road to WrestleMania kind of a thing. Yeah, that would be that would be really cool, to be honest. And I think CM Punk would be instant money because he's still got a huge fan base. Even though he kind of failed in MMA, I'm not sure if you, you knew about that. Yeah. I know you don't, you don't keep up with it a lot, but <laughs> he uh, went into MMA, man, and he did not do very good at all. He lost two matches uh, very badly. So and to not very big name guys, so he got it handed to him pretty well in the in the MMA world. So, yeah, well, and right now I, I do know he's still got a big fan following uh, in the wrestling world too. So yeah, no, I think it'd be a good thing because honestly, I mean, this whole thing with Seth Rollins, they were uh, having it where maybe he was going to go to NXT or whatever. Well, the only the reason why they were doing that is because right now. There's not really anybody in it, in uh, Raw for him to match up with. 
um, as far as a heel because Kevin Owens is a face. I mean, that would be a natural matchup. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if – I mean, it looks like Randy Orton's going to have a battle with Ricochet. But, I mean, do you put Seth Rollins against Drew McIntyre? Who, who's really Drew McIntyre's feud going to be? I mean, to me, I think Drew McIntyre goes against Kevin Owens, and I think that's a fantastic matchup. But it's sort of like who's Seth Rollins' push going to be going into WrestleMania? Um, and so I thought I thought Punk would be a good fit there. And I think going back to a guy we talked about earlier um, with um, uh, – they want to pick a fight with him. Um, gosh, uh, I can't believe I forgot the guy's name. Um, he came over from NXT, and he's always saying, uh, you know, knock on the door and pick a fight with me. Uh, Alistair Black. Uh, Alistair Black. They've got to figure out what they're going to do with that guy because he got in, um, you know, so much publicity initially. And this whole thing about, well, who he's waiting for someone to knock on the door and he had some good matches with Cesaro. But after that, he's kind of been on the sidelines. And I mean, to me, a matchup with him and Seth Rollins would be really good. I mean, there's similar body styles, similar repertoire. So that would be a good match for me or if they want to bring punk back and go against him, but, uh, Alistair, but I can't imagine them bringing punk back and not matching him up with an A-lister right away. Like, uh, Seth Rollins. Oh yeah, they they couldn't bring the star power uh, of CM Punk back in and not throw him right in the main main event. I mean, that's exactly what they would do. And that may be uh, Vince's secret weapon, right? That may be his uh, thing he's holding in his pocket. He's just waiting, and you know, if he throws Punk in there, that may be what brings the ratings back up, and you know, people start tuning in because Punk made a comeback after how many years of being out, and you know, he's going for the belt and. Things like that. So that may be, you know, McMahon, he's out of touch and he's getting old, but he's still a very smart man when it comes to the business. So he may be holding that one in his pocket. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, And, you know, Samoa Joe has been on the sideline for a while, so um, he'll be coming back um, hopefully pretty soon. I always like Samoa Joe. You know, one rivalry we haven't talked about and – you know, we'll we'll conclude after this is um, the Rusev battle versus Bobby Lashley with this whole thing with Lana. What's your take on that? <laughs> One thing that I'll say, and I read this as a quote, but I've always said this anyway, even back to the Macho Man uh, Randy Savage days. Don't get your wife involved in your work, especially in wrestling, because they get involved in a storyline. And my biggest fear is Rusev and Lana in real life are going to get divorced because of all this craziness. Because it's hard for you to sit there and actually watch your wife do those things, even though it's acting. I mean, it's, and there's been so many stories of that happening in the past with Steve McMichael and Deborah McMichael and, and uh, you know, Kurt Angle and, and Karen Angle, which is now Karen Jarrett, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. And... You know, it's just happened time and time again. And, you know, Macho Man was a, a jealous, a raging jealous guy, but, you know, probably for a good reason because you're in a, a show full of men and it's pretty much dominated with men. You start putting your wife or your significant other in the uh, storyline, things can happen. Because pretty soon they're going to have to travel together and, and things like that. And, you know, I, I don't care for the storyline because of that. 
I think Rusev versus Lashley is a great matchup because I love both athletes. I, I think they're both great characters. I'm a huge Bobby Lashley fan from an amateur wrestling standpoint, from an uh, MMA standpoint. And he's done a tour of duty in WWE before, and he was big in TNA. You know, Bobby Lashley carried TNA for through some of the darker years uh, after the big boom. You know, kind of after Kurt Angle left and Sting left and all that, Bobby Lashley was over there with uh, EC3, and, and Bobby was like their biggest star for a while. Uh, and he still made it interesting, you know. So I'm a huge Bobby Lashley fan. I think they have potential to tear the house down in a match. I'm just not crazy about the storyline. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I, I, I almost feel like it's something to try to bring back the Rusev Day Um uh, thing they had that was a really good program and honestly i even saw in interviews rusev was like you know he hated that wwe decided to end it because it was a great thing for him but i don't know we'll see what happens i think rusev um, is a very good wrestler but they kind of need to get more in the match uh right now they've just done all these scenes and stuff like that from the wrestling standpoint it hadn't really been that great and a matter of fact uh, fans were even booing it um, right. on Raw, so that didn't go over very well at all. But, you know, we will see what happens. I think um, Survivor Series is going to be interesting. There are a lot of um, interesting matchups and uh, should be a lot of fun. And we'll see also, you know, what what AEW does to kind of um, stay on top with where they are and, and with their matches too because WWE will get a spike after Survivor Series. They usually do after their pay-per-views. And um, I think for AEW, like we mentioned earlier, they're beating NXT, but at the end of the day, are they going to be able to get up to where their ratings are that of Raw and uh, and SmackDown? Because at the end of the day, they've got to be able to fill up seats. And, and the other thing I saw um, that I forgot to mention too in those 2020 predictions there were some predictions that you know Vince McMahon hates the fact of AEW so much that he's planning some pay-per-views to go directly against AEW on like Saturday nights. And of course, if you're a subscriber on the WWE Network, you pay your ten dollars a month, and all the pay-per-views are included. Whereas with AEW, you've got to pay uh, fifty dollars a pay-per-view. And the idea there is, well, hey, you know these WWE people, they're not going to pay another fifty dollars to watch. Uh, AEW when they can watch WWE as part of their monthly membership so I mean that would be a real problem for AEW in my opinion I agree and that <laughs> that doesn't surprise me that's dirty dirty business and Vince should look at it as he needs healthy competition because guys that have been fans like you and I for years I mean we're complaining about WWE right now because they're really not handling a lot of their talent the way that they should be. And to me, I think, you know, AEW is good for Vince in the long run because typically when they've got competition, they do a whole lot better. Yeah. Just like back in the mid-90s with WCW, WWE was terrible until they started getting uh, beat every week. And then guess what? They stepped up their game. They ended up winning. And everybody loved WWE again and loved wrestling again. So... It really, Vince needs the competition. Uh, you know, trying to put AEW out of out of business and beating them down uh, this early in the game, I think, is, is a bad business move. 
for him. But, you know, Vince has an ego bigger than most of the wrestlers that work for him. So he can't stand anybody stepping in his territory. So that that wouldn't surprise me one bit. Yeah. You know, I, and I think the other thing with AEW, um, it's important because I'm, I'm seeing where they talk about these WWE um, house shows and the attendance not being very good at all. And one of the, the rumors they were even proposing for 2020 was w, WWE doing away with house shows and only focusing on televised events. So you'd have your Raw and SmackDown and NXT and then, of course, your pay-per-views. And I was like, man, that would just be a, a horrible thing. But the what they're saying is you know if you go to a house show, nothing exciting is really going to happen. So it's kind of the same thing that you see on Raw and um, and SmackDown. So, I mean, then that goes into how much you're paying wrestlers and stuff, too. But, you know, I don't know if AEW is even doing house shows, are they? They're just doing them the Wednesday night. I think they're just doing their weekly uh, weekly episode right now. Yeah. I, I, I think they will eventually do house shows. But I think right now they're just doing their once-a-week thing and then the pay-per-views. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. So, well, Scott, I appreciate you coming on. I always enjoy talking wrestling. And um, we'll see what happens with Survivor Series. And we'll come back the, the the following week after Survivor Series and see if we agree or disagree with the results. Absolutely. I, as usual, I, I love talking wrestling, and I love having somebody that can go uh, back and forth with that knows as much or more than I know. So, <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, and you know the listeners liked it too. I mean, you and I were discussing before we got on. We're like, well, we really didn't know what to expect from the the listening crowd, or like, well, are they gonna like it or not? Because it's like either you're a wrestling fan or you're not. It's not kind of one of these in between kind of a things. And and we got a huge Great. audience out of it. So <laughs> we're like, well, dang, we got to come back on here and do a pre preview for SummerSlam and or, I mean, sorry, Survivor Series and talk about AEW and all that. So. Another great episode. So uh, anyway, well, Scott, thanks for coming on. And to all the listeners, thank you very much for um, uh, your dedication to the show. We're getting really good numbers. Um, make sure and subscribe on Apple Podcasts uh, or Google Podcasts, wherever you, you follow us. And also give ratings because that helps the show as we climb up the ratings on, on the podcast uh, world. So, Scott, thanks again. And uh, we'll talk again after SummerSlam. I mean, sorry, Survivor Series. I keep, I'm ready for SummerSlam. Yeah. <laughs> you are on SummerSlam. Well, living in Florida, it's generally hot, so it's like, I mean, like now it's November. I'm like, well, this feels like summertime almost, so. Right. Well, as always, I appreciate it. As we sign off, I'll say go Big Blue. I'm getting ready to watch Wildcats versus uh, Vanderbilt. Yeah. Well, and Wildcat basketball needs some help, too, right now after last week, but uh, I think we'll turn it around. Oh, it's early. It's yeah. early. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Scott. Have a good rest of the day. You do the same, Ben. Thank you. All right. Bye. So I want to thank Scott again for coming on the podcast. Uh, another great uh, period talking about wrestling. And also, once again, thank you to all the fans. Uh, you know, Rodney and I really appreciate all the support that we're getting on the podcast. Uh, we're glad that you guys are enjoying the episodes. We're seeing it based on the numbers. Uh 
each week for all the podcasts. So make sure uh, to follow us, like I said, on Instagram at Ben Wilson Miami. Uh, our website is benandrodney.com. And of course, uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio. And make sure you give us a like, hopefully a five star. That does help us as uh, Rodney and I continue to go up the charts in the podcast rankings. So thanks a lot and have a great week. And we'll see you guys next week with another episode of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney.